And we are doing this. What is this, you might ask? This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? I am your host, Stephen. With me is my other host, the better host. Well, at least the younger host. He is Joshua. Joshua, what's the good word? Well, first of all, my knees don't creak when I stand up and um, to hell with Georgia. Secondly, my knees do creak when I stand up, which is probably why you said what you said. And I concur to hell with Georgia. Welcome to uh, a very sad uh, episode of What's the Good Word. We would rather be talking about a lot of other things. Uh, so I tell you what, before we get to the main thing that is going to be our a news item and then what we talk about the rest of the show, which is the dumpster fire that happened this last Saturday against Ole Miss and what the future holds for the tech football program, let's get some other news out of the way and we'll do that quickly. But let's get into the news. And Joshua, uh, I'm going to start because the first item of news fits perfectly with our show which is what's the good word to hell with Georgia because the women's volleyball team defeated Georgia at Stegman Coliseum this last Saturday. Not only, not only did they defeat Georgia, they swept them three, nothing. Mm. So the women's volleyball team now stands at seven and two. Yes. That means they went one and one in the week. Uh, they were on the road for both games. They lost to Arkansas. They beat Georgia. They start not only uh, ACC play, but they get to start ACC play at home, I believe the 24th against Wake Forest. I'm not sure if tickets are still available because they keep selling out O'Keefe uh, Gymnasium. So check out the women's volleyball team. And what's the good word when it comes to the women's volleyball team? To hell with Georgia. What news do you have, Joshua? Well, over the weekend, uh, you mentioned the dumpster fire. That was that game at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Um, unfortunately, Potentially, there were a lot of high schoolers in attendance at that game as Tech attempts to make a couple recruiting pitches. Now, to be fair, the one person I saw that was really interviewed, he said that he liked the vibe and he kind of, I don't know what vibe he was getting. Pre-game vibe. I guess, man. You know, the fact that he wasn't there for football, so it didn't necessarily pertain to him as much. Uh, but anyway, so basketball and football had a lot of pro prospects there. Uh, for basketball, the one that we've been talking about a lot, Vachina Lett, uh, came down from Canada. He was able to come in. He's a number 100 nationally, exactly. 2023 class, number 18 combo guard. Uh, he was on campus. Uh, along with him was Michael Nwoku uh, from Prolific Prep in California, which if you know the high school basketball scene, Prolific Prep, one of the better institutions out there. Um, he's number 138, number 21 at center. He was the one at the um, – at the game, he did an interview later with 24-7 Sports, uh, GoJackets.com, and he said, you know, I, I really want to come here for the academics. Um, I like the uh, I like the vibe. I got to see Passner in practice. I like the way he pushes the guys. So it looks like a, a pretty big – he looks like he might be interested. Um, 2024 had a few other kids from the 2024 class come in, uh, the biggest of which was Darion Reed, who was number 46 nationally. The number 11 small forward um, along with him, it was Ja'Kai Howard, who was 93 nationally and number 23 at small forward. And then Lathan Somerville, who is the number 20 center in that class at number 136 nationally. So uh, Passner is getting some top 150 guys, at least in the door, uh, mm -hmm. talking to him. I know that those guys have multiple power five offers on the table. A few different people uh, definitely trying to add to that blue cane, um, by the way, top five name that I've heard so far. Blue yeah. Cane. Um, anyway, for football, uh, they had a lot of guys on campus 
for the 2023 class, specifically guys that were committed elsewhere. So Tech is going after some claimed uh, players. The uh, first one that was mentioned, um, Adonijah Green, from uh, he was a D, D, D lineman who's committed to Louisville. He was on campus along with Vandy commit wide receiver Kenrich Lane Lanier, NC State O-line commit Obadiah Obasui, and tight end Anthony Miller, who I believe is uncommitted. Uh, when I clicked on his link, it took me to the Anthony Miller that came from Memphis and is now in the NFL. So update that link. Um, and then they also had some 2024 kids for football, O-lineman Khalil House, uh, Buford athlete Trelane, Trelane Maddox, Defensive tackle Jacoby Murray and the biggest name of them all, the four-star four cornerback Jalen Thompson. He's got some SEC offers on there. So Tech is still getting their message out. Kids are still coming to see on some official visits. But um, I don't want to bury the lead here. But what, what they saw might not have been uh, the, the greatest uh, message to send out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for the recruiting news. Um, by the way, Joshua is – as a tech fan, he's also the sports media guy, a budding sports journalist. Uh, I'd like to say uh, to any of the recruits who might happen to catch this podcast because you got mentioned and listened to by dozens and dozens of our fans. Uh, if we met, if we uh, if we mispronounced your name, your name, yeah, we apologize. But come to the tech campus and feel free to tell us how to say it right. We'll we'll correct it. Once you get on, once you get on Jeff Collins' ATL above the line, they'll give me a a, a name a name guide. But twenty four seven sports doesn't produce it. So. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, so as tech people, we're not we're not as big on English anyway because we're all in the math. So we, give we us, speak in calculus. Yeah, give us the algorithm of your name, and then we'll have it. <laughs> anyway, all right. Enough uh, enough math jokes. Let's get to what we don't really want to get to, which is. Uh, the 42 nothing drubbing uh, at the hands of Ole Miss, and more important than that, the uh, the outcry from fans, the outcry from alumni, the outcry from the media uh, that happened immediately after the game. So I want to give one disclaimer. Uh, I watched the first part of the game, taped the second part for when I came back from what I was doing. Uh, I actually asked Joshua as I followed it on my phone, is this worth watching? He said no. So full disclaimer, I did not watch the entire game. The other disclaimer, I started looking at some stats and I just said, no, I need to go on the show as the tech alum and I need to just, I, it's not about breaking down things. It's not about analyzing for me. This is going, we need to just talk about what we've talked about on this show pre, you know, this week and kind of where we are now and where everyone else is now. Um, so Joshua, let me kick it back to you and say, is there any analysis or facts or stuff you want to bring up about the game? So basically to our listeners, the new, the, the news part of the news is over. We are going to cover the news of the game, but we are going to continue to talk about, unfortunately, the dumpster fire that now appears to continue to be Georgia Tech football. So, Joshua, what of, of any information news do you want to bring out of the game? Well, they had more rushing yards than we had total yards. Um, that's that's by a sad. long shot. Yes, by 100, 102 to be exact. Yeah. So I think that that kind of says it all. Um, as we said going in, a lot of stuff was going to have to go right for Tech to win this game. Um you were just kind of hoping that they could hang with with them the way they hung with Clemson, and you could take a moral victory to the bank. 
but it didn't happen that way. Um, Tech gave up seven sacks. Jeff Sims's body language was deteriorating drive by drive, quarter by quarter. I uh, started to just miss wide open people, couldn't even hit swing passes, just didn't have any time in the pocket. Uh, Tech punted 10 times. They only had four drives that went longer than 20 yards, and I believe only two of those went longer than 30. Um, they averaged 1.6 yards per rushing attempt and five yards per completion. Um, and the way that I wrote it down was basically if this was an MMA fight, it would have been a TKO in the first round um, because Tech just kept getting punched in the mouth. Um, and there is there is no way that any accredited MMA referee would have allowed a fight like this to continue. Um, that is a technical knockout. <laughs> so so uh, so my question is um, a, a couple questions that I have that I that I just kind of want to ask. Is this the fact that we are so far behind talent-wise from a 20th-ranked Ole Miss SEC school, or is this a sign of lack of coaching, lack of uh, fight, loss of locker room? Is, is this just we were so that much more outclassed, uh, or is it because – one of the things I did note after the game, the players who were interviewed, who came and talked, said Ole Miss did exactly – we were ready for what they were going to do. It, they, they, there was no, like, we weren't ready. They expected Ole Miss to do this, and there was just no stop. Yeah. Um, I think it I think it does come down to talent. Um, obviously, Ole Miss is one of probably the five best teams in the SEC – so they they have five stars on the roster. We don't have those. And the ones that we do have have transferred in from other Power 5 schools where they didn't get to play. So um, I think that that's part of it. I also it's just, But it's also just the, even then the talent falls back on the coaches, you know, because Jeff Collins came in and his big thing was he was going to make, you know, he was going to take back the ATL, represent the 404, uh, do this, that, and the other. I was looking through his um, his recruiting profiles, and the thing that stood out to me was he never addressed the trenches, which is crazy because I'm pretty sure he was a D-line coach at one point. Um, he just – you look through all these recruiting classes, and it's all wide receiver, safety, quarterback, running back, tight end. And I'm, I, where's, where's the beef? You know, not to quote the Wendy's ad from the 80s, you know, where, where's the beef? He didn't, he's not bringing in anybody who can compete because the more I've watched football and I don't claim to be an expert on football. I didn't get a chance to play it when I was younger. I wasn't coordinated nor physical enough to play the game, but I've watched enough football in my life. The more, the best thing that you can do to give yourself a chance to win a football game is win in the trenches. You know, I, I've watched the Falcons for years struggle to be more than a mediocre franchise because they can't get pressure on the quarterback and they can't block anybody and keep them from getting our pressure uh, pressure on the quarter against us. They can't keep anybody out of our backfield, but we can't get in theirs. And that's what's going on with Tech. Now, their defensive line is farther ahead, partially because they were able to bring in a transfer like Keon White and because guys like Kyle Kennard and Zeke Biggers have at least developed to an extent. But even then, like, Jackson Dart wasn't under pressure at all in the game. And the more I, I, I truly believe at this point that that Clemson game was just DJ Ugalele is not good. 
I don't know how much of it was us. And I don't, I, cause even the, it's Western, Western Carolina at first, we looked bad. Right. And we didn't get a lot of pressure there either. You know, they, they were pushing us on the line of scrimmage and that's an FCS school that shouldn't be happening. So I'm going to dis, I'm going to slightly disagree with you because I do think, uh, I, I think that I think Ole Miss has more talent. I will agree to that point. Not forty-two nothing. No, not like that. Not forty-two nothing. And uh, this is uh, what I saw was if if the players are saying, "Hey, we weren't surprised," you know, this is what we expected them to do. And this was not trickery. This was not. No, they rammed it down our throats. This was not scheming. This was just, we're going to line up and we're going to bowl you over. And if if you weren't prepared to stop a simple, we're going to bowl you over. I mean, I will say this. This was tech in the triple option, knowing just running the A gap until they don't, until, until they stop it, until they stop it. It was just faster pace, but yeah. Yeah, it was just, we got to play that we can get eight yards every time and we're just going to keep doing it. We're just going to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, and then do one slight variation, and then just keep doing it, keep doing it. I mean, you know, you watched enough under the triple option. If 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 the a back wasn't stopped, you, we and we knew we could get that, and then a a you know run back fake pitch go behind a guard, and we could just run it into the line and get our yardage. We'd do that. Up. And and Lane Kiffin even had a quote of Yeah, it was, that was old time tech, you know, and he. Gave a shout out to Paul and said, "Yeah, we basically had three plays that we that they never stopped. So if they're not going to stop it, we're going to keep doing it." And that, to me, you you can't be that far behind. You've got to coach up to that point. And Collins just showed, you know, we said heading into that game, "Here's your chance." Yeah. And and I don't think anyone expected the first three games. For Tech to be three and zero, or even two and one, no. But we didn't you, to be this bad. You can't show what you showed at the end of last year with this much turnover. You had to shift that, and they didn't. And I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like I'm completely blaming. Like it was all the talent, because I was making the point of Collins came in preaching the recruiting and never delivered on that promise, <laughs> other than that one class in 2020. And even, but see, and I was going to attempt to tie it back eventually. That class of 2020 hasn't produced here. Let me let me pull up the class of 2020 so that we can we can go through this player by player because obviously the big one is Jameer Gibbs, who was great, but one was neutered by the fact that there was no blocking and no nothing else on offense, so he was the guy that everybody keyed in on. And then also he was you know, but he he, wasn't the only guy on offense. They had other receivers. They had Jeff Sims. Who couldn't hit yeah, other Jeff receivers? Jeff Sims couldn't but. throw. So if you know the quarterback can't throw, key in on the running back. So, and then that's the other big one. Is Jeff Sims was the other big guy. You know, we stole him away from you at you you FSU. He hasn't developed at all. I I genuinely think the more I've watched him, I was hoping that the reports out of training camp were going to be true. But put him in the game, put fifty thousand fans around him, have a defensive line coming back coming after him. Not yeah. not not coming near him like you do in practice, coming after him. He is an average NFL – not NFL. He's an average college quarterback, and that is taking into account FCS, NAIA, even Division II. Yep. 
there's nothing about he doesn't do anything great. I saw somebody tweet that, and it's so true. He doesn't do anything great. He's he's just kind of there. He can run some guys over, but he's not inclined to run all the time. He has a strong arm, but he can't hit people all the time. You want and I that comes down to coaching at the end of the day, and it also comes down to the player, but it comes down to coaching. One quick point before you go through the other parts of the class, uh, and maybe don't do the entire class, just the highlights. But um, you know what I thought about Jeff Sims? I was like, you know what he would have been great is running the triple option because he's big and strong enough to run a bunch. And then when you do throw the occasional pass, he can get it within five yards of the receiver because they'll be wide open. He can hit those passes. The only question is decision-making. So we know when to pitch. But go ahead. outside of those two, the next biggest recruit was Miles Brooks, who has become a relatively solid power five DB. And at this point, I think the secondary might be the one part of the team where I'm like, they haven't necessarily been horrible. Now, part of it right. because against Ole Miss, they didn't get a chance to because they were getting run on every time. Right. But in pass protection, they're, they're at least decent. Uh, Jared Ivey was in the class. He transferred out after having a decent first year. Nate McCollum is a decent slot receiver. Uh, but then you start getting into Katavian Franks. I don't think know where he's at. Ryan King's on the roster, but he hasn't really played. Michael Rankins, Jordan Williams, who's starting, but that's not necessarily an accomplishment on this O-line. You know, oh, I gave up seven sacks as the starting left tackle. I mean, and then outside of that, I mean, they've pre- Kyle Kennard was a decent little find in the rough. But, you know, none none of these guys have really stepped up to to do, you know, much of anything. And it's true throughout most of their classes. You know, they, they have all these, they ha- they'll get a few top-notch recruits and then they just, they don't, the coaches either don't put them in the right position to succeed or they're, they're not coached up. You know, our offensive line can't seem to block anybody. Um, our, our D-line was letting people run all over the place. Part of that was fatigue. Part of that was, they just, they weren't getting any push. So let me ask you a question. Uh, do you believe the current roster of players at Georgia Tech are more talented than the roster of players that that played under Paul Johnson, especially his last two to three years? Like raw physical talent? Yes. Okay. But so, football ability? I don't know. Because yeah. there's a difference between being an athlete who plays football and a football player. So I so I I'm gonna say don't don't it's not even that deep it that's where it comes down to coaching that's where it comes down to scheme and that's mm-hmm. where it comes down to a plan and and a team you you have to everything has to be together as a team and you and the one thing about Paul you knew the system and and it's and and both offensively and defensively, and he kept trying to find a defensive thing that would work, and and that was always his struggle. You know, they they had some stat that we hadn't been shut out. You know, we hadn't been shut out at home. We've been shut out under Collins three times at home or something like that. We hadn't. Well, been oh, shut- the last four times we've played like Power Five teams, or the last four times, and I believe three of them. Three to ten. One hundred and eighty-three to ten. Yeah. And and we are. I think all of them were in in tech. Yeah, and we hadn't been shut out at home since the '60s or '50s or something like that. And we've been shut out three times at home under Collins or something. I mean, it, it's 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 
becoming, unfortunately, there is no difference right now. And we we There's said a difference. It. Paul got winning seasons. Right. Well, Paul's worst seasons were six and six or seven and five. Well, he had the one three. He had two three win seasons, I think, or a three win and a four win. But the point is, you you could. Uh, the point is, they played like a team, and they weren't embarrassed. You weren't embarrassed. You had games where you were like, "Well, that was bad," but I wasn't ever embarrassed by yeah. my team. And and I, you know, and and Jeff came in and see this. Jeff came in and. We're going to move it to the next century. And it's like, well, take me back to the old century because we won. And at least we had shots. You know, that offense, you could control the ball and control the game and at least give yourself a chance. Now, now again, I and I've said, I, maybe I said on air, off air, you know, I think Paul at the end got tired and got frustrated and, and just kind of said, I'll bring in whoever I want. And I, I, I don't think, you know, he, he, he might've got a little frustrated with the AD and some other stuff. So I don't think we got his best effort. Yeah. And we didn't get the best effort. Well, and, and, and listen, there were a bunch of tech fans and a bunch of tech alum who, you know, poo pooed on Paul and we we hate this and we hate that. Hey, how about now? How about now? I missed him. Yeah. Cause you know, maybe you should have let him, maybe you should have supported him and let him go out when he wanted to, uh, because this, this sucks. This, this isn't, he, yeah. So Joshua, does Collins need to go right now? Well, so I don't think he'll go right now because first of all, it seems weird. It would be weird to fire him in the middle of the week. Um, if they were going to do it, it would have had to have been over the weekend. So he will not be going right now. Um, and again, the other part of it is, I mean, if you were to ask a hundred tech fans, probably 97 of them would have told you those first three games were going one and two. Yeah. There, there's some dreamers out there who were like, tech is going to make a bowl game this year. No, they, they were playing two top 20 teams after coming off a three and nine season without bringing in anybody that was significant, you know, upgrade while losing their best player. They were going to lose these kids. So firing him over this, you know, it, it sucked that we lost that badly to Ole Miss, but firing him for that is sort of like, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. I always thought that if he was going to get fired, it was going to come down to these next three games. And I, you know, I sound <laughs> like I'm making that up, but it's true. I circled this area because, you know, UCF is a well-known program, but they're not what they used to be. Um, they've already lost to an ACC school this season. They lost to Louisville 20 to 14. Um, and then after that, we play, you play Pitt, who was playing for an ACC title last year. They're not the same as last year, though, because they lost Kenny Pickett and they lost Jordan Addison. And then you play Duke, who is 3-0. But they also have beat Temple, Northwestern, and North Carolina A&T. So, you know, it's not like they're playing powerhouses. Um, they've beaten um, two bottom feeders and Temple, who I don't even know. They've shut them out, so I don't know if Temple's even that good. So if, if Jeff Collins goes one and two here, I'd argue that he his seat would probably be warming up even more. If he goes 0-3, I think he has to be gone. And all part of it also comes down to what he, what the team looks like. 
Well, and there, so there's a bye week after the Duke game. So that would, that would typically be a week you would do that. I believe, and there will be people who talk more about the buyout. Um, you can negotiate I, that down. Well, arguably, um, talk, read the Paul Hewitt stories, but you know, and that's, that's put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, but um, the reality is, um, I think the question is going to be, you know, this UCF game, because last year, again, and I've said it, uh, last year they lost the lock. He lost the locker room. He lost that team. They stopped playing. That's what we saw on Saturday is I saw, I didn't see a team. I saw some people. I saw some guys trying, but I just, I did not see a team. They, they had absolutely no answer to some of the simplest, easiest plays uh, and that that needs to that needs to change um so going into so you say if it's one and two the seat will get hotter if it's oh and three they'll they could fire them at the break i you know i almost think that if they do and if they if they lay another turd like they laid this last saturday he's gone they're gonna have to at least like be in the game but if they go out there and they're down you know, 28 to nothing at halftime and UCF is just dominating both sides of the ball, then yeah, he should be gone by the time they, they should be, he should be gone by the time they get on the plane. So what's so, what's so funny is if they can find a way to win two of the next three, if they beat UCF and Duke, okay, now you're three and three, you're going to play UVA, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Miami, UNC. You could almost make an argument that, you know, UVA, North Carolina, there might be a chance. Virginia they won't Tech. beat North Carolina. Okay. North well, Carolina's offense is way too good. So UVA, Virginia Tech, you know, maybe you get to five wins kind of. But again, that I just, it'll be interesting to see what happens because, I, again, I think he's lost the team. He lost the team on Saturday. Can he get them back? Can they play? Can, can. Can Jeff Sims, because we came out of the Clemson game going, man, okay, here he is. And then he just, he stunk. I mean, he's he's average. He's average. And we can't have an average quarterback. So, yeah. um, all right. So, uh, let me so ask a question. question. Is, when, when, do you, when do you play Zach? That's that's the question. Zach Gibson is is kind of the guy everybody thinks should get or, a shot. Or, or Taysen, because, I mean, Taysen was – more highly regarded than Jeff Sims was coming out of high school. Yeah. And, you know, oh, he didn't play. We played at Clemson. So he was sitting on the bench behind Trevor Lawrence and DJ Ugalele, who, you know, he hasn't looked good, but he was still a top 10, top 15, top 20 prospect. You know, it's, it's sort of like a, you know, Tyson, I think you got to at least see what you got. Like, you know what Jeff Sims is. I think we've established, you know what Jeff Sims is. Well, so will Jeff do that? Team. Will Jeff do that because he has to coach in order to do that? And well, it might not be Jeff that does it because Jeff might be collecting buyout checks out of that by that point. And yeah. whoever the interim head coach becomes. But no, I'm saying this Saturday. Do you think either of those guys get in this Saturday? I it, de- it obviously depends on what Jeff looks like because Jeff might go on his random little heater where he has the one game where he has 400 yards and four touchdowns. But – I think you got to at least work them in, you know. I, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, at this point, uh, I feel like it's to me, it seems like a foregone conclusion that at the end of the year, no matter what happens, I see Jeff Sims in the transfer portal because I think there's too much ill will. Like, I think I think he needs a fresh start. I think he needs to go 
somewhere farther because right the spotlight has always been on him because he was the chosen you know he was the golden child he was going to be the one that led us out of the doldrums he was going to be the best quarterback that tech had seen in years and he just hasn't been that and well he's he's like he's reggie ball of the 2020s is is unfortunately what he's so he the fact is he i see him in the transfer portal just because it would take the spotlight off him he could go to a School where I hate to say it this way, but the competition isn't as high, the top notch. Go to a G5 school, go to an FCS, and you know, get your last year or two of college eligibility. I I don't see him sticking around, especially yeah. if Jeff Collins is fired. Okay, so if uh, if Collins is fired, who do you who's the way too early pick to replace him? Um, the name I keep saying is. Bill O'Brien, which I think with his offensive acumen, I know he knows how to coach football. Uh, it'd be interesting to see him try to run a college program because there's, you know, the history of NFL guys coming down to college is relatively small. Um, it's in a much different transition. Um, he's rehabilitated himself in the Nick Saban school. And so far that's a, that's a pretty successful program to be in because Steve Sarkeesian went from being a washout head coach and washout OC to being, you know, Texas is back number two recruiting class. Well, and, and Bill's got, Bill's got pedigree here. Yeah. So. But I don't know how much does that really help? Cause Todd Stansbury, the AD has pedigree here too. And I mean, you know, yeah. this was his guy. <laughs> the, the pie in the sky is always for any college program right now is Deion Sanders. I don't see him coming to a place like Georgia Tech because if he were to pick up an offer from Georgia Tech, it means he's also got offers from FSU and any Power Five school that has an opening. Uh, so I can't so, imagine his you know career in Atlanta is going to supersede that. So my completely sentimental pick that I will give as the Tech alum is George Godsey. Yeah. Uh, and I have it only because anyone who remembers George Godsey – uh, after Joe Hamilton left campus and was the greatest, one of the greatest tech football players of all time, everybody said, oh, love, love Godsey, but goodness gracious, we're not going to do anything. You know, he's no Joe Hamilton. And George Godsey changed the way the offense was played, but stayed within the system and was a was a complete and total surprise. Uh, George has never had a head coaching job, to my knowledge. I may be wrong on that. I, maybe he got one shot, but I, mean, I know I mean, he's fact check you on that. I know he's Just been OC. Sure. Yeah, I know he's been OC and and quarterbacks coach and done some other stuff. Um, I think I think George would be the right temperament. I think George would understand. George was there during the best recruiting days of of O'Leary. I think George would understand what type of player he could get and would need. Uh, I'm very romantic about that, romanticizing it, but I just think that would be the guy. So, um, what needs, is there, what needs to happen to save the season? You think going, I don't think you save this season, man. Okay. So think you think he he's gone because of I this. Mean, unless he pull, unless he finds a magical lamp buried in the sands of wherever Aladdin takes place and he is able to get a genie. There's nothing else that I could because he's had his chances. He's had this team for three. This is his fourth season. 
and it's it's getting nothing's worse. changed yeah he's never because the first two years he didn't lose the locker room right last year towards the end he you started to see less and less effort we're in game three yeah and we're already talking about he lost the locker room. that's not good yeah so there's, well, i don't know how he can get them back but i don't i don't see how you drag a bunch of kids back from this because if they've been here before they know you understand, though, by saying that, though, then unless they go out and absolutely play, you know, inspired football and beat UCF, he really should be gone after the next game. I mean, if you if if there's, there's any, the, I think the only way because it, it's again, it's one thing to get beat beat up on by power five top 20 teams. If you get beat on by a G5 team as an AC as a power five school, I mean. So is beat on is beat on beat by more than one touchdown? Depends on the context, because if you're down a touchdown and you're driving and then you throw a pick six, you didn't really get beat by two touchdowns. But I'd say if he loses by two and it's like a it's it's one of those where it's, it wasn't really it wasn't like we played a great game. He's Tech's going to have to win or they're going to have to lose on some like crazy magical play at the end. Yeah, we're now saying that they need to stay in the game with UCF to prove that he hasn't lost the locker room. That's and we're in year four, and the fact that we're saying yes. that is is horrible. Because right. with this game coming up on the schedule, you could be like, well, I mean, you know, under Paul, it was are they going to be able to you know maintain the gap discipline? Because yeah, you know, the the top teams were always able to do it because they just had freak athletes, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, they didn't maintain discipline, but Roquan Smith's a freak of nature. But you so, see, yeah, it's like, yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm enjoying this. I want to keep going a little bit, but I do want to let our listeners know that if uh, what I'd like to do to kind of maybe finish up is, is Joshua, you and I do a little rapid fire. What I'd like to do is kind of talk a little bit about the fans that we may come across and the fans uh, or people who are commenting about Georgia Tech football because they are commenting because the coaches on the biggest hot seat in the nation probably and and had such a bad game. So if if you uh, want to leave, you know, we normally say after the news, if you don't want to listen to the chunk, you can leave. I don't know how much longer we'll go from here. We're about 26, 27 minutes in. Uh, but I wanted to spend a couple minutes, a few minutes with you, Joshua, at the end. And let's just kind of talk to the casual fan. Let's just talk about the casual fan talking about Georgia Tech. Or let's talk about maybe some of the jaded alum and fans out there uh who maybe need a little talking to maybe a little talking off the ledge or let's kind of dream about georgia tech athletics for a second uh because there there is a so you and i both follow a lot of atlanta sports and there's a couple of narratives about other teams you know the braves always had a narrative atlanta had a narrative of being loserville the braves had a narrative for a long time of, well, nobody comes in the 14 straight division titles. Well, nobody comes until they get to the word. They don't even come to playoff games, you know, and I see it happen worse than New York with the Yankees and stuff like that. One of the narratives about Georgia Tech, especially about football is, well, they'll never really compete. Um, and they just, they, they just need to, you know, spend more money or they need to just pay their players or they just, they need, you know, they need to quit about athletics. So, so what would your comment be uh, to to that narrative? I think that that's the lowest possible hanging fruit. I read I, I, my favorite book of all time is Moneyball, right? And part of it is because I 
I love sports analytics and I love the way that Billy Bean kind of incorporated them. But the biggest takeaway that I had from that book is there's a point in there where they're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays and they hired, I believe his name was um, JP Ricciardi or something like that. He was a Billy Bean kind of disciple. He came from the Oakland um, front office and the Blue Jays owner was like, I talked to all these guys and they were always like, yeah, if you just give me a, you know, 150 million, I can compete with the Yankees. And this guy, this guy was the only guy that was like, listen, I can, I can put a contender out there for you for, you know, half that easy. So to say spend more money is disingenuous because I mean, okay, sure. Yeah. I'm sure tech would love to spend $150 million. The fact matters, they don't have that kind of money. And there's a lot of different reasons. Right. The biggest, the biggest one being they actually put money into a lot of other things, research projects, stuff that no other college does, which we should be, we should be applauding. It's not just about athletics. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of fans need to kind of have it put into perspective that, you know, these football teams are attached to much larger universities. So, yeah. So, so I would say this, um, the, the way I would respond to that person is Georgia Tech athletics should always play to their strengths. Um, and their strengths is the number one thing is the academics. I, I am so sick and tired of, well, academics is is a is is a is a problem. Well, then you go recruit the absolute best athletes who are great students. We we should be you know it, it should be us and and Stanford and uh, Northwestern and and the service academies you know and and Ivy League schools but then we there's there is a I believe with NIL there's going to be a lot of equal opportunity for some money I think there's also going to be some unequal opportunities for students to make money but Georgia Tech should be heralding. You want to make money? Why not make money for your entire life? Come here and get a Georgia Tech degree in a it, whether it's in engineering or whether it's in business or whether it's in whatever it is, it's going to be the top uh and set yourself up for the rest of your life because of all the graduates who who make so much money. And and by the way, if if you have to, you know, because of athletics, you don't get to graduate right away, fine, then we'll help you graduate after your college career is done. But you can still graduate with that degree and do amazing things. I would be leading with that um, and making sure. Anybody that says academics is the reason that tech can't recruit or tech doesn't win, they're not paying attention because, you know, Stanford was a top 15 program for, you know, multiple years and they've Mm -hmm. got incredible academic boundaries. Notre Dame has academic boundaries they recruit top 10 classes every year you know up until recently northwestern was constantly nine and three ten and two ranked nationally you know wake forest has is a very good academic school and this is the other important part wake forest according to 24 7 doesn't pull in top 50 classes under dave clausen they regularly regularly are in the 60s and they just played for an acc championship and that's yeah go ahead it's less about And I know, you know, we can get caught up in stars and whatnot, but the fact of the matter is there are kids that, you know, slip through the cracks. I'll bring a Georgia Tech guy here right now. Moses Wright was a zero star and Moses Wright's in the NBA now. So, you know, 
some of it is you don't don't get a coach that goes, well, just give me the money and I'll go get your the best, you know, highly touted prospect. No, you go go get on the road, go do your homework and go bring me a guy who he might be, you know, 550 nationally, but the kid has a 4.0 GPA and he's going to show up to work every day with the lunch pail mentality. That's that's what tech should be. For. And then I, I want to briefly touch on your NIL, NIL point, because the fact of the matter is Georgia Tech is in the city of Atlanta. Yes, that that and that was going to I thought that was Collins' pitch. Yes. But Collins never secured anybody from Atlanta. Collins was not locking down Georgia the way he said he would. Tell kids from Georgia, move to the big one of the biggest cities in the world, NIL opportunities. Do you know how many businesses are headquartered down there? Yeah. You know, we can we can get you in contact with those guys, get you some endorsement deals, make you some money now, and then like you were saying, get you an education that can make you a millionaire after, regardless of if you make the league or not. And- and I will see your Moses right, and I will raise you uh, Jose Alvarado, who was, I believe, a three-star, but he was exactly. a borderline three-star. But go read the story of his recruitment. It was one of the assistant coaches who went to go see somebody else, but he heard this kid in a side gym just screaming, and he watched this kid carry his team on his back. And I'm like, ooh, I know that story. Uh, Jose, who, by the way, just thanked Tech for the opportunity of a lifetime, thanked them for the education. Can't wait to see what he does in the NBA. And then after the NBA, the guys get it's, it's amazing. And by the way, speaking of Atlanta recruits, look at Josh Passner. He has recruited strongly in the city of Atlanta. Some of them didn't go right away, but came back thinking of Sturdivant, thinking of Rodney Howard. They go somewhere else and then they come here realizing this is the place to be. But the other thing I will say, and this is where I'm going to get on my soapbox, I have never waded deep into the waters of Coach Paul Johnson and both his, his, a lot of his detractors. But I've said it before, and I will say it again. You you can say that Collins didn't recruit in Atlanta as much, and I'm with you on that. But again, it comes down to coaching players up. When you are a coach, your number one job is to take a player where they are when you receive them as a coach. And when they leave, have they become better as players? Have they become smarter, wiser? Have they learned to be better men and better women uh, in life in general? But also have they, and have they joined a team? When you put a team together, when you when you build that team, they go through hell and high water. They go through the ups and the downs. And what seems fairly apparent four years into Collins' reign is the players don't feel really like part of a team. I believe the talent he has recruited is better than Paul. I believe Paul's teams were light years ahead of what Jeff Collins has built to this point. And when Paul first came, it was, well, he's got chance guys. Well, chance guys never won more than six most of the time. Barely they won seven, and they never beat Georgia. Paul's guys beat Georgia, and then he stayed 11 years, so it wasn't always Chan's guys. So Didn't now I Orange Bowl with Chan's guys, huh? Didn't he go to the Orange Bowl with Chan's yeah. guys? Yeah, and he also went to the Orange Bowl with his guys. And you know, it was a system that worked, and the reason it worked is he built a team, everyone on the same page, everyone pulling together. He had some great stars, but holy cow, did he develop some players? Darren Waller was a nobody, and he's in the NFL. 
that, right? Yeah, that's a that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. yeah, I mean he, he and 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 every yeah and every single one of his receivers that knew how to block. And if they didn't block, they didn't play because you had to do that in the system. And the you know and he he had running back. He just had waves of running backs, and he had you know and he had an offensive line. I mean he just he built a system, and you know O'Leary built a team. And he succeeded. Bill Curry came in the early 80s and he built a team and they had some success. You have to build a team. And Collins has not done that. And Georgia Tech can do that. Will they be, you know, will they ever win another national championship? You never know. You get the right things and things fall your way. You know, I'll never say never, but they can be competitive. They can be competitive and they should be proclaiming from the mountaintops, you know, this is Georgia Tech. You can do that. You can come here and do things that you can't do hardly anywhere else in the country, and we should be celebrating that. Absolutely, yeah. I, and not much else to really add on there. I just the biggest thing that that I've taken away from looking back through Collins' history is, you know, Georgia is arguably top three in the nation in producing athletic, specifically football talent. You know, I mean, people come out of Georgia. They're they're going down the list of you know kids that come out of Georgia. I mean, there's there's so many top you know 200, 300, 400 guys, and Tech doesn't get any of them. You know, Tech Tech will get a few good kids out of Georgia, but they all they they cap out normally at like one top 40 guy. And I'm not saying that you have to be in the top 20, but you know you get kids from Georgia like. Instead of trying to make these roads into, you know, Florida and Alabama and Tennessee and trying to go all to all these other spots, you know, lock down your home state. There is so much talent within your borders. Focus on getting those guys in because it's an easy sell. You can stay home. You can get a good education and, you know, you can play in downtown Atlanta. I mean, it's he had the tools. I somebody you just need to get a guy that knows what he has. Well, I think I think you need to get somebody who has a system that they know will work at a place like Georgia Tech. Paul had that. Okay? See, this is where I would start rooting for Mike Leach if he wasn't already locked in. Well, I think George, I think Godsey would know how to put a team together and he would know how to have his system because, yeah, I, I, I just I just think. You know, you need to know what you have and what you want to do. Stanford succeeded all those years because they just lined up and ran the ball. And then they just ran a bit, you know, a pro style offense, whatever. And they, you know, they had the right quarterback or, and, and they got a guy who was luck. That certainly helped. Yeah. But it, but they were successful before Andrew Luck. Yeah. They, they had, they had certain success. They had great running backs and, you know, I I just, just out execute. There are tools there yeah. to be a good college football team. I agree. There, there are tools. And, and I think you can, you know, you you need to recruit a different type of athlete, but those athletes are out there, and you can build a team with those athletes. Uh, there's no question in my mind, I, I, and I've seen too many of App States and other, you know, you, you just, you build a program. And to credit, I believe we've done. I believe we are doing that in basketball. I love this. You know, we talked about that last. Sorry, we love the system. Love the coach. He is coaching people up. 
Ben Lammers came to Georgia Tech because he wanted to be an engineer. He happened to run into a coaching staff right at the end of his career who turned him into a pro-level player who's now playing overseas in Europe. He'll get to his engineering career afterward, but he wanted to be an engineer. They happened to turn him into a pretty darn good post player. So that can happen. Anyway, all right. Uh, I, I, uh, have we ranted enough? I believe we have. All right. So uh, if you came along for this entire ride, thank you so much. Hey, by the way, if if uh, you would like to um, give us your thoughts, Joshua, is there a way they can get in touch with us? <laughs> um, well, they can go on. Catch me on Instagram at Joshua Julian 46. Uh, my DMs are always open. Um, you can also email me at Joshua Julian 26 at outlook.com. Don't ask about the numbers. I went through a bit of a number change when I was a baseball player. We want to thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Hopefully next week uh, we will not have to talk about uh, 42, nothing. Hopefully we'll talk about a better score and we'll talk about other news, but thank you so much for joining this journey. And we hope to say, especially about the football program sooner rather than later. What's the good word? To hell with Georgia.